Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. This season, we're inviting you to take the Lit Grit Challenge by reading great literature just one hour a day, 52 books in 52 weeks, to give you the grit you need to succeed. Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm Patty Stuckler, along with my son Connor. And we are in week two of the Lit Grit Challenge. Hopefully you're uh, taking us up on the challenge and reading one hour a day. And then doing that, you should be able to read one book a week and hopefully uh, following along with some of the books that we're covering. Right, Connor? Yeah, and I've been told that Lit Grit is pretty legit. Yeah. By, uh, <laughs> by one, of, one of my friends that I guess listened to the podcast. So uh, that, was, that was good. <laughs> Lit Grit is legit. That's right. <laughs> so uh, we got such a great book. This this uh, Power of Habits, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg. Is, it is just an awesome book. I love this book. In fact, you you actually. Yeah, I, were, I put you on to it. Yeah. That was the plug. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a great book. I really love Charles Duhigg. He's, he's actually got another one of his books right here that, that we're going to tackle a little bit later, uh, Smarter, Faster, Better. But they're both Excellent books. I think he's a New York Times bestseller. Both of these books are. Uh, he does a great job um, really researching the project that he's working on. He's got a ton of studies in, in this that kind of explain the why for some of the, the more technical aspects of the book. Charles Duhigg, though, is what? He graduated from Yale, and then I think his MBA is from Harvard. So, yeah. I mean, he's just a super smart guy, really, like you're saying, really well-researched habits. And he talks about, I think, one of the more interesting stories, and there's lots of them in the book, but he talks about a girl named Lisa Allen. She's like 34 years old, and this is at the very beginning of the book. And her life is just a total hot mess, isn't it? I yeah, mean, absolutely. She's just out of control. She's like way overweight, heavy smoker. Her relationship is in shambles. Her husband is cheating on her, and she's like stalking. Got maxed out credit cards. Well, not quite maxed out. But. Yeah, almost maxed out. Stalking the the girlfriend, like banging on her door. I mean, like just really, her, she's just a hot mess. And yeah. She, <laughs> and she decides, okay, I've got a little bit left on my credit cards. I want to go see the pyramids, which I personally think is a weird thing to. I don't, I don't know why. Don't you? What, what, I mean, like if that's I, I would love if to I only had a little bit of money left on my credit cards, and I was going to do something really rogue. That's not what I would do. I would. I don't know what I'd do. I'd go to the beach or something, or I don't know. I'd go to maybe Bahamas. you wouldn't have the transformation that she had. I don't know, but she <laughs> decides to go to Cairo. She wants to go see the pyramids, so she goes and she's you know jet lagged. It's late at night, yeah. and she reaches for a cigarette and starts smelling the smell of a burning plastic, yep. and realizes that she has lit a pen instead of a cigarette, and she just falls apart. She just starts crying, sobbing. Like, wow, my life is just a mess. And it was in that trip that she decides, she makes this decision, I'm going to come back a year from now and I'm going to go on this trek of the desert. And and in doing that, she decides, well, I'm not going to be able to make this trek if I don't quit smoking. I can't, right. you know, I don't. So in the next six months from that point, she quit smoking and replaces smoking with running. Right. Yep. And then... And I think that's a key point to make is that in, in habit... Um, recreation or replacing a, a bad habit with a better habit, you, you really do need something to take its place. So what happened with Lisa Allen is she, she quit smoking and replaced that bad habit with jogging, and it really started a domino effect that, that totally transformed her life. Yeah, and so she was part of actually a study that he talks about, 
And within four years of just totally hitting such a terrible rock bottom point in her life, she had, you know, paid off all of her debt. She had quit smoking. She'd run a marathon, bought a house. Lost 60 pounds. Lost 60 pounds, went to um, grad school. Mm -hmm. I mean, she just totally total, transformed total who she was. Or yeah. Total 180, rather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 360 would probably be. Put you right still back where you started. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, it was really, and it was really great because she. So it, what the book talks about too is is that that key, the importance of that keystone habit, and it really being the catalyst for this dramatic transformation that that she went through. And so she, by quitting smoking and replacing it with jogging, that that led her to start getting in better shape. Well, then that started to to bring about changes in her diet because now she's exercising. Now she's not smoking, so she's starting to eat better. Well, she started to eat better, then she started doing meal prep, started spending her money better, so she started to be able to save money, and it really led into um, a total transformation with that one first domino that uh, that set off this drastic change for her. So I think yeah, that was really Yeah, just kind of like a snowball that just keeps going yeah, down. Yeah, she gained, down once, you start, once you start to gain that momentum, then uh, you can really have some, totally transform your life. Yeah, and, it, and it, I thought that was such a great story because it really highlights how far down somebody can be. And then just absolutely change your life by starting to change your habits. And like you were talking about with the keystone habit, yeah. I personally think that smoking is probably a keystone habit for a lot of people. Sure. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Probably drinking too would be probably right up to, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a smoker, never never have smoked, but just seems like that's something that I can imagine. To me too, I also think it's great because it shows that the, the power that, that taking that one initial change can have. Because a lot of times when you're down in the dumps, you, you almost feel like, well, what's the point of quitting smoking? Well, this kind of shows you the path that, hey, start with that first change, and it can have instrumental impact on the, on the rest of your life. So it's I think it's, it gives you a little bit of confidence and can be a little inspiring, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Give you hope that if you really want to change your life, That you're one, you you're one habit away. You're one habit away that will then totally transform your life. Well, so maybe. I mean, I guess. No, I mean, if you, if you have the right one. Habit, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you obviously got to stack and build on it, but it's, I think that's, that's an encouraging thing, especially if you're, you're in a, at rock bottom or whatever. Yeah. And, like, and, like she and, was. Yeah, exactly. And this author, Charles Duhigg, talks about, he breaks down habits into a three-part process. Yeah. From the cue to the routine, which is actually the habit itself, um, and then the reward. So what a person gets out of smoking a cigarette or you know, having a drink or whatever. whatever right, and it's, and it's what's great about this book is, is it talks about really the kind of why that, that all of like the cue, routine, reward, why, the aspects of it. And it talks about the, you know, the neurology and, and the brain scans. And that to me is really fascinating because you can tell me to do something, but unless you show me why it works or tell me, you know, I have a good, healthy degree of skepticism or <laughs> I've been told. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't like to take things at face value. I like to like show me the proof of it. And that's a one thing that uh, Charles Duick does a great job of doing. He gives you all this information, this analytical information, brain scans and, you know, all these, you know, Stanford psychology tests and all, all these studies. That, like that the have, mice. I thought the mice. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a great example. Um, because so he basically they, they put these little brain scanners on... Um, Little teeny tiny ones. Yeah, like it, uh, for the, the <laughs> mouth for these mice, and so they had so they could measure the brain activity they had, and so they would put them through this maze. And it was basically like a T-shaped maze, and there'd be chocolate at one end. And um, what they what they found was when the first couple times they would go through the the maze, they they have a click, the door would open, their brain activity would would skyrocket, 
Um, and then they, as they went through the maze, they'd be scratching the wall, sniffing, trying to figure out where they are. You know, is there a danger in this area or is there a possible reward like there was with chocolate? So as they go through the maze, their brain activity is basically spiked the whole way through. They find the chocolate at the end and that's, that's their reward. Um, so their brain activity stays spiked. So literally the first couple of times that these mice went through the maze, their brain activity was spiked essentially the whole way through. Uh, and what they found is the more times they went through it, their, the, the changes in their brain activity were, were, were drastic, which what I thought was really, really fascinating. And it, and it shows you once something becomes a habit, it's, it's, you're basically on autopilot. So what they found was that the, the gate opening and the, the click sound playing was the cue, the going through the maze was the routine, and then the chocolate was the reward. So as the first time they went through, brain activity was very high throughout. As it became a routine, they'd have a spike of brain activity when the door opened and the click sounded, and then the brain activity would drop to extremely low levels as they went through the maze because they knew what they were doing. They knew how go to get down, through the maze straight, and hang a left, left. exactly. The <laughs> and then, and then they, their brain activity would spike again when, when they had the reward. So they were able to really, through all these, this data, break this, this habit down into cue, routine, reward. Um, so it's not like just something Charles Dewey came up with, but there's actually all this data behind it and literally brain activity data that, that corresponds with this. And then what's really fascinating is once, once they really uh, became familiar with the maze, that um, they would have a, an, another element introduced into the, the three-step process, which was a craving. So they would have that door open, and then their brain activity would be spiked similar to when they got the chocolate, just knowing that the chocolate was coming. So I thought that was really interesting, and that's how these habits really reinforce themselves um, and become either a good habit or, or a bad habit for, for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's super fascinating because when you think about it, once a habit is established, then the brain goes into this, uh, you know, like you said, it goes into the spike, gets the craving, and then basically almost gets the reward feeling and then goes into minimalization kind mm -hmm. of mode, or conservation is probably a better word. Yeah, yep. Conservation mode where the brain activity becomes very conserved. So just like when you're driving a car, or we'll say when you're a brand new driver, and yeah. you're just learning, getting your license, and you're you know backing out of the driveway, right. or you're driving yeah. down the road, you're on high alert, your brain is 100% engaged, yeah. And you're, you know, trying not to hit mailboxes. You're, like you're looking your side <laughs> mirror, your rear view, you're looking for mailboxes, you're trying to stay on the driveway, you're trying not to hit pedestrians or run over animals or anything. So, so you're, I mean, your brain activity is spiked the whole way through because you're, you're paying every little detail you're giving a lot of attention to. But once you become a driver and you've been doing it for a year or six months or six years, uh, you basically just throw, turn the car on, throw the car in reverse, check your mirror and then back out without re really ever thinking about it. And so... What's interesting to me, too, is that he talks about how habits are an evolutionary thing, and it's to, it's to preserve your, your brain energy, and, um, you know, so that you have brain, you know, the capacity to make difficult decisions when they arise, and you can kind of put your brain on autopilot when it's something that, you know, doesn't require your full attention. It's a, it's Which a then is thing. most of your life, because he talks about that 60% of your day for most people is 100% habits. Right. Just, you know what? How you right. talk to your kids, what you eat, what time you go to sleep, yeah. what you wear—all those things are all habits. They're just a sequence of habits. So it's it's really fascinating to understand how to break it down because, like what you were talking about with driving, when you're driving your car and it's a habit, and you don't even think about driving being a habit, do you? Right. But it, it actually is. Of course. And so when you're thinking when you're driving, you're thinking about you know your relationship or your work or 
eight other things, you're not thinking about actually driving. And sometimes don't you even get somewhere and think to yourself, wow, like you feel like you almost weren't even paying attention. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like how did I even get here? Because <laughs> my brain was somewhere else not right. thinking about, you know, that I'm on the beltway driving, driving my car. So it's kind of one of those things if you can break down the habit and really identify and isolate what the reward is that you're, you know, that you're craving and then that's what you need to, to focus on changing if you want to break a habit. So if, like, say yeah. you're a smoker and you're smoking because you're bored at work and you want to go outside in the freezing cold with mm-hmm. all the other smokers and smoke your cigarette, right, outside of the, <laughs> outside of the building, what are you actually, you know... Now, in that case, actually, nicotine probably... Right. I mean, right. that's... Well, I think there's two ways to kind of look at the this book in terms of, like, your own personal development because I think that's what the Liquid Challenge is all about is is how do you create new healthy habits and then how do you replace and, and kind of wean out old habits or b- bad habits. So I think that's really interesting. But it gives you a blueprint for, for doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, like let's say, like for me, I wanted to start working out again. Um, so I had to look at, okay, I, I want to work out. So now how do I use that three-step process, cue, routine, reward, to actually start working out again and then make it a habit. Because, I mean, I played college football, so I worked out every day from, you know, high school and college for, like, eight years. And then once I was done playing football and I graduated, I didn't lift for, like, five five years. Um, so it was – I really had to, to focus on that and, and try and create that habit again because I'd totally gotten out of the habit and was, was quite frankly, mentally weak. Um, <laughs> you know, I just didn't – I'm like, you know, I'm chilling. You know, what do I want to be sore for? Lazy. But, yeah, so um, for me it was, okay, well, I got to, now I've got kind of this blueprint, well, how do I apply it to my life? And I think that's an important thing for all these books. You should be reading them with, in, in the context of how can you apply it, what you're reading to your life. I think that's a really, really important thing. Otherwise, why, why are you putting why yourself through it? it? Yeah. yeah. So for me, I, I was, you know, I started, I tried to work out in the morning. I'm not really a guy that works out in the morning, so for me, luckily, I, I, I do real estate, so I've got a flexible schedule, and I work a lot of evenings and, and weekends and all that, so for me, I, I kind of settled on a time at 2 o'clock um, to where it was like I got some stuff done in the morning, but then I was getting a little bored with being at work, so it was actually the perfect time for me, um, so the queue was like 2, 2.30 in the afternoon, I'd, I'd work out, that'd be my routine, and then the reward was the, the endorphins that you get from working out. Also, just the satisfaction of knowing, hey, I'm, I'm doing what I'm, I'm setting out to do. And then also for me especially, and I don't care if it's vain or not, but, um, you know, you get a pump when you work out. So you get to, you <laughs> well, know, that's a walk good, around that's with a your good, shirt uh, off and, and a flex vanity. a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so that, that was really the re- reward for me was, was that and the endorphins and, and just knowing that. But then also for me was um, another way to kind of reinforce it and then to – continue that reward feeling was was tracking my workout so I could actually see oh man you know two weeks ago I did this and now I'm doing a you know a personal best so it's that that additional kind of encouragement from from tracking your workouts and so that that becomes a reward too so that that was one way I've been able to apply this book to to my life because I read it probably about six months ago and then had had told you about it and Mm -hmm. said we should definitely put it on the list and you know obviously I just read it again this past week so it's been been really good for me well I thought it was really interesting because the author talks about like gives examples to where then when you're talking about application of the material that in these books like you said it, it does no good to read books if you're not like these if you're not going to then try to apply them to your life and hopefully you know live smarter better you know uh, more successfully smarter, but faster better. yeah exactly so I mean he talks about uh, an example of 
when he used to work for you know some company where every day around three o'clock he would go down to the cafeteria he'd go eat a donut and he wanted to break that habit and so so obviously the cue for him was about the time of day the three three in the afternoon mm -hmm. the habit of going down and eating a donut and then the reward was obviously a nice sweet sugary donut right but then so then he decided okay I want to isolate what is the reward am I really wanting something sweet or am I really right. bored at about three o'clock I'm getting kind of bored at work like you were just talking about in the afternoon right, like, right. Hey, you, you reach a, a point, point in the afternoon where it's you know it's you're like a like, midday lull I mean yeah it's kind of like you kind of want to break up your day so he would go so he decided okay is it really that or is it that I want you know, social interaction right. with Or you know, am I peers. craving the sweet, or am I just actually hungry? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he started to isolate that, and then he. So what he would do was then change, change the routine to one day he would go down to the uh, cafeteria and eat an apple. Right. The next day he would instead of going to the cafeteria at all, he would go on a, a walk. walk. Yeah, yeah, and then the the third day he would go over to, to a peer's desk, desk yeah. and yeah. chat for ten minutes, and then go back to his desk. And then what he, he suggests is that you come back from changing the routine to something else, writing down three thoughts, whatever they are, the random, whether it's in your emotional state, what you saw, whatever it is. You know, I saw Sally in a blue dress, I'm feeling tired, whatever the thoughts are. And you write those down. And then you set a timer for 15 minutes. And then in 15 minutes, you come back and you say, do I still want to go down and eat a donut? Right. And if you say no, well then, so that tells you. Right, okay, it's a process of, uh, of elimination and yeah. you know, trying to figure out exactly Isolating what. Isolating it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no question. And then he talks about the cues, that most cues can be broken down into like five categories. Yep. Like the, the time of day, the location, who you're with. Um, like my sister Mary will always drink wine, so I, I, it's like you can you can kind of identify those things, or, or even your state of mind. Like sometimes yeah. when people get really sad and they eat, you know, three bowls of ice cream, so that kind of thing. So he or breaks that down. Or the immediate thought before, right? Was or what? One? Whatever happened, something yeah, what that happened. That was the fifth yeah. uh, cue. Whatever. So in a cue is kind of like a like a trigger. I mean, mm -hmm. especially when you're thinking about it in the uh, this context of a of a bad habit. You know, you might get into an argument and that triggers you to then, you know, eat a bunch of ice cream, you know, just as an example. But then you can start to, once you realize that that's a habit, then you can start to identify those cues and that way you can eventually change that habit. So I think it's great because it gives you a blueprint for creating new habits. Like for me, I felt like I wasn't replacing a habit with lifting. I just needed to start that, that positive habit. But then it also gives you the blueprint to, to change bad habits. Like if you, if you do smoke or, or you overeat or... You know, whatever. Yeah, and it's and it's fascinating because it's really it's about not just breaking a bad habit like smoking, but then starting good habits. Right. Like, and that is one thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing they said from studying her brain scans is that because it creates neural pathways, habits do, and then it's it's kind of like when you talk to I think he talks about folding a piece of paper, it's more likely to go back to that same way. So you're more likely. I mean, it your your brain is a muscle; it creates muscle memory essentially. Um, so in order to really get rid of that poor habit, you need to replace it with something else. You need to have new neural connections and, um, you know, kind of flex that muscle in a different way. Yeah, and now he doesn't talk about it in this book, but I know I've read somewhere, and I'm sure you have too, that, that it takes something like 14 days to break a habit. 
and in some cases, 21 yeah, or 30 I've, days. I've, I've read, depending habit. on the book, I've, I've seen as many as like 63 days is like when it actually becomes cemented as a habit. Mm-hmm. So you really have to just stick with it long enough until that, like you're talking about, that paper that, folds that, into that, that automatic. Point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. to where it becomes automatic. So yeah, I thought, I, I thought it was a great book. And one, one thing that I think is really cool about it too is, and I, this is mostly what we've talked about is like the personal development, personal habits aspect of it. And I'd say that's about half of the book, but it is broken into three parts, and it's about the individual habits. Then it talks about uh, organizational habits, like like your workplace, and then it talks about societal habits. So, I mean, it covers a lot of really good information, and they talk about, you know, different businesses and how they change the culture, and then different, you know, greater events in society, like even the, the Montgomery bus boycotts with Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. And, Which I thought was actually really fascinating. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, the whole... Like you're saying, the whole first, maybe third of the book, when it talks about your individual habits, I think probably most people would be um, most curious about that. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it also habits, fits really but... well within the, the context of the lit grit personal development type thing. Uh, I know when I, so I first read this book a couple of years ago, uh, one of my good friends, I saw it on one of my good friend's sister's bookshelf, uh, Kara Annabelle. I actually saw this on her, her bookshelf. So I'd seen it, and then one day I bought it, and... First time I read it, I actually only read the first part. Once it got to the organizational stuff, it it quite frankly bored me. And um, but I thought that was great. And then I reread it about probably six or seven months ago. Read it all the way through, and then obviously reread. And I thought that part was fascinating. I thought it was fascinating too. But it's like, and it's actually that's a good point to bring up because sometimes people think that you have to read from page one to the last page of every book, and and somehow you you don't get to check it off your list unless you do that. And the reality is. If, even if you're the kind of person who weirdly wants to start in the middle of a book, if if that's your thing, whatever it takes. And some people, you yeah. know, you and may I mean, only... especially with with us beginning the Lit Grit Challenge, I think if you were to only read the first half of this book about the, the personal habits, individual habits, I think that's a great start because part of establishing this habit, you know, part of doing Lit Grit is establishing this habit of, of reading every day and reading for an hour every day. So I think it's really important. I think it's a great book. Uh, to do early on in the process, because I think you'll read this book and then realize, okay, well, how can I make reading a, a habit for me? And that's something that I've had to do and, um, you know, started to do before, kind of in preparation for this, was was reading every morning. I know I touched on that last episode, but I, I try to read at least an hour every morning. And it's it's becoming easier. You know, it's it, it's, it's like anything else. It's a, it's muscle memory. You know, so then you know, oh, okay, it's 8 a.m. Yeah, and so the, my cue is, you know, I, I get back from walking my dog and then I, I, I start reading for an hour. So mm-hmm. that's been really good for me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. And I think the whole, you know, some of the larger concepts of, of habits and within society uh, and what creates a movement and things like that that are further into the book. Yeah. Uh, when it talks about Rosa Parks and why Rosa Parks was... Why that all happened with her when there were actually people before Rosa Parks that had, that had sat, you know, not in the back of the bus and then, um, and even got arrested, but then did not create a movement. Right. So it it talks about some of that, which you know I I thought was super. Yeah, I think it's and and what's what's great about the book too is he he just does a it's a it's a real page turner. I mean, some of this stuff, especially when you start to get into kind of the numbers, it might sound a little dry, but he's just I think a great author. I mean, he does it in such a way that. It keeps your interest, and it keeps the way he tells the stories. You know, he'll he'll begin a story and then jump to the next story. And that at first it kind of bothered me because it was like I wanted to know, I wanted you know conclusion to that first story that he opened with. Mm-hmm. But what I found is it really kept me reading more. And then he would 
finish that story kind of at the end of that chapter. So I think he did a great job of engaging his readers and making you actually want to read everything, um, you know, have it make it be a page turner. Yeah, I think I think the main thing too is he talks about planning. If you understand your habits, and then you plan for what's going to happen when those triggers or yeah. cues yeah. occur, then you're ready. You're ready. You know, it's three o'clock. You're ready. You know, uh, to do whatever it is you're trying to change. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, this that's kind of a quick overview. It really is a terrific book. Mm-hmm. If you really want to change some really bad habits, <laughs> or create some, or just, create some, you know, I felt like kind of, I was kind of a blank slate. Um, obviously I'm not everybody 60% of your day, but, um, definitely great for creating new habits, getting rid of old habits. And it's just a fascinating book. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, let us know your thoughts on it. I'd be curious what some of the habits people are trying to break and, and if they, once they read this book and hopefully apply some of this information, you know, if they're able to And if successful. nothing else, create a new habit of reading every day and joining the Lake Grid Challenge. Good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, and good luck with your Lit Great Challenge, and happy reading. Next week's episode, we'll be talking about Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. So if you're following along on the Lit Great Challenge, that's the book we'll be covering.